0: football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charters.
1: Purdue tries to recover at home under the lights once again, looking to get a victory against Wisconsin on Friday night. A full preview of the Boilermakers and the Badgers on the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Hart here, Brian Newbert as well, and Alan Karpik. Tom, the Boilermakers back under the lights on Friday night in ross Aid Stadium. And they welcome in that old nemesis, the Wisconsin Badgers. It's been a long time, my friend. Uh, Wisconsin has has really had a streak here against Purdue. And I don't want to do it, so we won't do it. But you look inside some of those numbers, and it does not look pretty. Now, none of that means much uh, when it comes to Friday night's game. The Boilermakers needing to get a victory to get back on track after <laughs> – Losing at home last week to Syracuse, Purdue now 0 and 2 at home this season. Maybe not the same kind of Badgers team, uh, however, that we are used to. Tom, it, it you know, it's two and one. Wisconsin is on the season, though. I think Luke Fickle and a lot of others around the program maybe feel like Wisconsin hasn't played the best football yet through the first fourth of the season. Could make for an intriguing matchup on Friday night.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, and yeah, I know history doesn't matter. We all know that, but Kyle, it's fun for us to talk about, right? And God, the history, the historical, the historical numbers in this one are just stupefying. I mean, the last time they beat Wisconsin in ross eight Stadium, 1997. How old were you in 1997? I was 18. I was a freshman at Purdue god man Now now you're married with a family and a mortgage and a new career <laughs> a <laughs> lot's happened you stuffed a lot of life into those into those whatever 26 years but yeah you're right i mean this isn't um your father's wisconsin you know fickle's taken over and more importantly fickle's brought in phil longo to run the offense and he's installed their own version of the air raid right, kyle um sort of like purdue they're they're trying to fit into this new skin here and um You know, they're not throwing it any times a game. They still want to run it, but they certainly are throwing it more. And they have a transfer quarterback like Hudson Card, who's from the state of Texas. You know, Tanner Mordecai is from Waco. He began his career at Oklahoma, transferred to SMU. Now he's on his third school. Still a skill set, I think, of of Hudson Card. But back to Wisconsin's resume this, this year, Kyle. Two and one, you mentioned. They beat Buffalo, which is terrible. And they didn't look that great last week at beating Georgia Southern. And, of course, they lost to Washington State. So much like Purdue, Wisconsin still is kind of feeling its way out and is very much a work in progress. So uh, maybe Purdue does have a good shot here.
1: For the Boilermakers, it will probably be as much about themselves as anything else after a day in which Purdue turned the ball over far too often for giveaways uh, to the Orange last week, multiple penalties. Yes, some of those were questionable. Some of them, however – uh, we're not uh purdue's just got to clean things up right I mean it's it's weird to to be talking about that now when we mm. credited Purdue so heavily uh in, in that fashion through the first couple of weeks for not having turnovers and for keeping the the penalties to a minimum but man they they really hurt Purdue uh against syracuse and I mean, you look at the final score, Purdue loses by 15. You just hold on to the ball a couple of times and be and right in there at the end, if not changing the outcome. But Purdue put the ball on the ground far too often.
2: Yeah, man, no turnovers the first two games. You mentioned four. I think they were all in the first half, Kyle. Um, Hudson Card had three lost fumbles, one really wasn't his fault on the blindside sack. And, then, of course, the interception, which was a tip ball. 11 penalties. After having just I believe four of the first two games. So you're right. You erase some of those those mistakes and maybe Purdue wins that ball game. It's it's, it's twenty eight to twenty. I think they had the ball uh, with a chance to go in and, and score and, and and get a two point conversion to tie it. And didn't work out. So yeah, I mean, they gotta be kicking themselves despite all those gaps, Kyle. They still were in that game late. So that I guess that's encouraging if you're Purdue, right? And uh, yeah, Devin Mockaby, three fumbles through had seven fumbles overall, which was still stupefying when I saw that number on the stat sheet. So a lot to clean up. And um, like you said, margin per air every week is going to be pretty slim. Right. And they certainly can't afford to be beating themselves if they want to try to, to escape some of these Saturdays or Friday nights with 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 victories.
1: Yeah, I feel like every game is going to be close outside maybe a couple uh, touchdown type games in, in the fourth quarter. And you just cannot afford uh, to be the one that is that is beating yourself. That's uh, that's problematic. What do you think about uh, sort of the, the test here facing Purdue and, and the new coaching staff and, you know, sort of trying to make sure that Purdue keeps this thing on the tracks here this month? Because it's, you know, it's obviously a big month. Uh, there's some games here that you you feel like you've got to be able to compete in and get victories. If you're going to set yourself up for what is a more difficult October before things perhaps ease a little bit, uh, in the middle to, to late November. So to me, it feels like a, a real test for this staff here early in the season to make sure that they try to get Purdue aimed back in the right direction.
2: Yeah. this would be an early signature win without a doubt. Right. And, and certainly gets them back on track. You talked about Kyle They are off track. Let's be honest with ourselves. I think we all can agree in August. We thought this team probably would be two and one after three games. Now they're looking at one and two. You got to try to steal a win you weren't supposed to get here somewhere along the line and, and uh, they're coming off a tough loss. How are they going to respond, Kyle? It's a short week too, against, as we mentioned, uh, an opponent that's been the ultimate tormentor tormentor and winning the last 16 meetings between these schools. So yeah maybe a real early gut check for, for, for this team. And then this program is um, after this, they have Illinois at home to close the month for homecoming produced two and three. They're still behind schedule. And um, you look at the rest of the schedule. You alluded to Kyle I'm in Iowa, Ohio state, Nebraska, Michigan. Then you have your last three games, Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana. I mean, if you come out of uh, September, Kyle, which is two wins and you look at the last two months, Find me, find me four more wins uh, there. It's yeah. it's going to be tough. And um, like I said, I thought they had to be three and two to have a real good shot at six wins this year. And um, they certainly are sort of behind the eight ball right now. I think.
1: Tell me a little bit about injuries, uh, Tom. I know like Hydra Jenkins uh, was was nicked up in that game um, against uh, against Syracuse. Um, you know, short week here as well. What are your expectations for who might be uh, who might be in and who is out?
2: I think number four is going to play. That's the vibe I get. We're going to see Jenkins out there. I think we're going to see Gus Hartwick for the first time this year.
3: Mm.
2: Maybe not a lot, but I think maybe they're going to try to ease him back in like they've done with Garrett Miller and DeMarge Lewis this year coming off knee injuries. Um, Not sure about Paul Perferry. I don't think we're going to see that Stanford cornerback Slim Turner Muhammad yet. Still can't get over that hamstring injury. So those are your key guys. More so than anybody being um Hartwig and Jenkins. I again, I think we're gonna see both those guys play, which I think would be a huge boost. Jenkins has been one of the best pass rushers in America. And just getting Hartwig back, if they get him back, Kyle, just psychologically getting your, your anchor back, arguably your best lineman. Yeah. Even if he plays yeah. 20 snaps, I mean that that that's gotta be a boost to the psyche of everybody up front. Yeah. So and 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 uh we'll see if number fifty-three does indeed suit up and Kyle, I, I think there may be a chance. Um, maybe maybe we have a new kicker this week. Um, I'm hearing some rumblings that Ben Freehill may have an injury situation. That maybe Caleb Crockover is the guy doing the placements this week with with Julio is kicking off. Keep your eye on that. Hmm. See if Freehill is this kicking because uh, I heard there may be a chance that that uh, they may have to make a, a move because of uh, him not being 100 and going to a walk on Caleb Crockover from West Lafayette.
1: That'd be an interesting development uh, for sure. You mentioned Jenkins real quick. Yeah. I mean, it, look, he's been a huge bright spot. He's been great. Yeah, a guy who really gets after it out there. I mean, there is there is no slowdown in Kydra Jenkins on the football
2: field. Mm. Empty the bucket, right? I mean, yeah. that's a guy who expends it every every snap. And um, yeah, that's what you want. He's he's not the he's not the prototypical Big Ten outside linebacker. He's about six feet six feet one. Um, 260, but man, he plays a lot bigger than that, and uh, I think he's a guy players respect and think they feed off his energy. He's probably the unofficial leader of that defense, I think. He's not a captain, but I think everybody looks to number four to sort of set the tone, and if he's not out there, boy, you lose a lot of that juice and a lot of that energy, and they're going to need it against, again, uh, that Badger offense. It's still, Kyle's got two really good running backs. Remember Braylon Allen? just All right. a junior. He's back, and then uh, Shane Masili uh, from Clemson's also back, so they've got a nice two-headed uh, monster back there they can hand the ball to as well.
1: Much more to go on the show, including a forecast for Friday night in ross Aid Stadium. We'll talk to uh, Brian Newbert, Alan Karpik, as well as we glance around the Big Ten, Michigan State getting rid of Mel Tucker Jr. Two coaches gone before week four in the Big Ten. Wild. Uh, all that uh, and much more coming up on Golden Black Radio.
4: Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seiple. Friday night lights will be shining at ross Stadium. The Boilermakers are playing Wisconsin at home with a kickoff time around 7 p.m. If you are planning to head out for tailgating, temperatures will top out into the lower 80s Friday afternoon. We'll have some clouds early in the day with a spotty shower, but sky conditions will begin to clear out for the late afternoon and evening hours. Temperatures around kickoff will be near 78 degrees with mostly clear skies. Winds will be out of the east at around 8 miles per hour. For the late drive home, temperatures will be in the lower 70s and upper 60s with clear and calm conditions. Overall, the weather is looking great for some Friday night football. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the Ordinary at the Whitaker Inn.
0: It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent.
2: Hey, really pleased to be joined by Matt LePay, longtime voice of the Wisconsin Badgers. Matt, well, let's just jump right in the deep end, kind of give Purdue fans an idea of what to expect from the Badger offense, which has undergone, uh, I guess, some radical changes here.
5: Yeah, I think uh, the the general answer to this team is work in progress. Uh, you know, offensively, it's as you I'm sure are aware, it's gone through a pretty significant philosophical shift to from what we have seen for 30 plus years to uh, you know what they're terming the air raid. There are different versions of it. This is an offense that uh, this version of the air raid, they they will run it uh, if they think that's the best way to go about their business. But but clearly they're. You know they're they're trying to throw the ball around a little bit more. They're trying to spread you out, trying to make defenses defend sideline to sideline. So in theory, that should create a, a little less traffic in the box for Braylon Allen and Malusi. But this is Tom. This has been a been an offense that's been slow starting. The third quarter has been great. Uh, they just need to bottle that up and find a way to get that formula working earlier in games. They, they've been in, been in a couple dogfights here already this season in games where that that's probably surprised people to to hear me say that. So uh, still trying to work through kinks, but I still think it has the makings of being a uh, pretty good offense and certainly one that's fun to watch.
2: What about the defense, Matt? Luke Fickle, that's his expertise. Uh, what scheme are they playing, and and how's that defense look coming out of the gate here?
5: Well, you, you talked with with uh, Mike Trestle, the defensive coordinator, and it gets labeled a certain way as a, uh, you know, a three-three-five, and it really it varies. You, you'll see two down linemen. You'll you'll see it's a lot of three safety looks, um, which has really I, I think been good for Hunter Wohler in particular. the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week had a couple of interceptions. and He's had double-digit tackles each of the first three games. But uh, I'm wearing out the term already. I think that is still a work in progress. That they're giving up some big plays in the passing game, but the one thing that they're getting better at, particularly in the last game of the half, is getting pressure on the quarterback. And Luke Fickle will tell you that you know it's not just sacks; it's it's pressures, it's disruptions. And uh, I think you look back at the interceptions that they got last week. They had five of them. You could safely say that four of them. Were led in large part by pressure on the Georgia Southern quarterback. So again, there, I think there are enough differences, you know, from what Jim Leonard used with his defenses that work so well, to what Mike Trussell is wants to use, and those defenses worked really well for him uh, in his previous stops. So there's there's still a bit of an adjustment period going on, but I, I do think. They they have they have the talent to to be a, a pretty good defense, but they also know they're going to get tested
2: again on Friday night against a team that can throw the ball around pretty well. Okay, Matt. Nobody's ever dominated Purdue like Wisconsin has. <laughs> Sixteen wins in a row. Amazingly, Purdue has not beaten Wisconsin in Ross Stadium since 1997, which was Joe Tiller's first season. How do you see this game unfolding on Friday night when it kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern time on FS1? Uh, I'll be really curious to see whether Wisconsin can start better. I mean, that's been the question of the week
5: um, here in this early portion of the season for the Badgers. They um, you know, mentioned in the third quarter they're outscoring the opponents 48-7. to 7. That's the good news. The bad news is they're being outscored in the first half of games so far. So that, that'll be important to see if they could get into a rhythm Offensively earlier in the game, and and, and defensively, um, you know, I imagine you know Purdue's going through some transition as well. But it's hard not to notice Deion Burks. Uh, it's hard not to notice Abdur Rahim I mean, they've they've got some talented receivers, and this freshman tight end looks awfully impressive too, Max Clare, So I'm I want to be eager to see how Wisconsin's defense holds up in general but is it going to continue to be able to get some pressure on the quarterback, make card uncomfortable, and, you know, if it doesn't result in turnovers, at least it could result in some incomplete passes and get the defense off the field. They were they had trouble getting off the field last week. Uh, Georgia Southern was pretty good on third down, so we'll see if Wisconsin can shore that up a little bit Friday night. There you go, Matt LePay,
2: iconic longtime voice of the Badgers. We appreciate you stopping by. And dropping some knowledge on us, uh, look, for the All right, don't look forward
1: to seeing you. All right, Tom, look forward to it. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Easton Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502.
6: At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA.
0: The Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find, featuring the staff of Golden Black.
1: Let's bring in Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers as they get set to take on the pesky Badgers on Friday night. Uh, Early test here for Purdue and for its coaching staff to see, you know, on a short week especially, on a game in Ross State Stadium that, that did not go very well against Syracuse, especially with the turnovers and the penalties, just to see whether uh, it, it can it can get some things righted quickly. Uh, I think it's a real test for Purdue to see if that can happen.
7: Yeah, you know, the turnovers just scream outlier because there was nothing in those first couple of games to that suggested Purdue was just going to start handing over footballs like Halloween candy. Yeah. Which is what they did against Syracuse. Um, You know, everybody's, everybody's kind of learning together here and everybody's kind of settling in together. And, you know, if you're going to, if people are going to live and die with every outcome, they, they damn sure better have nine lives. Um, (laughs) I think that, uh, you know, Purdue's not far away from being a pretty good football team. When you look at, what happened with Fresno, you know, they were right there and look how good Fresno state is. Um, you know, and when you look at Syracuse again, those turnovers just reek of an outlier, um, because it's really hard to fumble seven times in a game. And it's not something that even looked remotely like a problem through the first two, three games. And, uh, that outlier just doesn't strike again, which is very plausible, if not to be expected, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, somewhere uh, in the middle of what Purdue's been over these first three games starts to look look like the truth here. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I I just don't think, you know, Purdue is a bad team. I don't think that the one and two record is necessarily, necessarily reflective of you know what they've been. I know you are what your record says you are, but I think Purdue is closer to maybe being like a two and one team uh, and not unrealistically far away from being a three and O team. I mean, there are some things that obviously they could have been better at, needed to be better at, but I, I don't, it's not like they have gotten their doors blown
1: off at any point in time here whatsoever. Yeah. It's really hard to. Or it's really easy, I should say, to fall into the trap, and, and we all sort of do it of, of, you know, judging things off every game and, as you said, sort of living and dying with every game. And, look, you know, coaches are paid to, to win games. Players are trying to win games. But sometimes you do have to look a little bit at a, a, a bigger picture here um, and that uh, while you're one and two, you have done some things uh, well – um, certainly haven't done enough things well to to win more football games. Um, but you have to think that they're trying to build toward a foundation for for better days ahead. Um, and and I just don't know whether you should get too caught up in in uh, judging this whole operation on a week by week type basis.
7: Yeah. No. Absolutely not.
1: I mean, it, it's
7: if you're going to make five weeks a referendum on what might happen over five years, then you're going to be disappointed. Um, I think the big picture uh, is the most important picture here. If not the only picture, I think if Purdue wanted to go six and six every year and play in Detroit over Christmas, I think they any number of sitting head coaches uh, who you would have yawned through the press conference about uh, could have been hired and done that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Purdue, made this higher, looking at upside potential down down the road, and that wasn't necessarily going to ever materialize overnight. And I think that, um, as I said before, you know, Purdue's brought together an entirely new team. Everyone, coaches included, I'm sure, are learning on the fly here, and it's all about the end of the process, whenever that might be, and not the very beginning floor level of the process here. And uh, that's what people are reacting to right now. I get it. That's kind of kind of the nature of this stuff, but I think sometimes it's worth taking a step back and understanding that, you know, what Purdue might look like in week three isn't what they're going to look like in year three. Now, there's no guarantees, as right. is the case with every coaching hire that's ever made. There's no guarantees that um, things are going to take off the way everybody wants them to take off, but that's, that's what Purdue is betting on, and I think, you know, This is one of those situations where patience is a virtue. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, whether you can call this a a rebuilding season or not. I don't think so. But Purdue inherited or Ryan Walters inherited next to nothing from a team that won the Big Ten West uh, last year. So looking at this as a returning divisional champion is probably very flawed. Uh, The guys who are back are largely hurt, Gus Hartwig namely. Um, and it's just one of those deals where, and I, I know it runs counterintuitive to everybody's impulses sometimes. It's just kind of take a deep breath and see what the next couple weeks look like, and uh, yeah. see what the season looks yeah. like, and then see what things how things start next year. And then you have enough sample size here to
1: maybe get a better look at what's coming down sure. the pike. The good thing is, you you're allowed to do both things. I mean, you can a, be disappointed at a loss. And also I think be uh, reasonable enough to see big picture and have some hope that big picture wise uh, that, that Purdue is in a good place. As you said, nothing is guaranteed. I think that the, the way I look at it a little bit with um, you know, whether it's a rebuild or not, is that, you know, while you have a a, a high turnover rate, obviously in the coaches and, and, Uh, as players as well what Purdue has done from a foundational point of view and it's it's dedication it's um the the resources it is putting toward football make you feel like Purdue can be in a good place overall even if the results on a week-to-week basis aren't quite what you want them to be yeah the infrastructure is you know closer to being what you want it to be
7: I mean I don't think anyone would ever say anybody's got all the resources they ever want, especially in the, in the NIL era. Um, But this one year is going to be unique to all the others that come after it. In the sense that Purdue's got like 30 new dudes on this team. Yeah. And that's what comes with coaching changes. I don't think Purdue's going to have 30 new players every year. I think they'll turn the roster over pretty considerably uh, here and there, because that's the nature of college football nowadays. Um, but it's not going to be one of those deals where you just bring in a whole new two deep, basically like Purdue almost did this year. Uh, yeah. not quite, but, uh, there's a lot of new guys on that field. And there's a lot of older guys, acclimating a new staff and new systems and things like that. It was never going to happen overnight. I mean, I, I don't think this was ever going to be, uh, something where it was, a uh, you know, the proverbial well-oiled machine from day one. And, uh, that's kind of proven to be the case. But as I said before, I, I think Purdue's shown you some glimpses here for three games that suggest they can be pretty uh they can be pretty competitive at least. And that's that's a start that's a
1: start. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Back with more here in a moment. This is Golden
4: Black Radio. Designing and building since nineteen sixty-eight, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the Ordinary at the Whitaker Inn.
0: What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup.
1: Let's bring in Alan Kerper oh, yeah. to talk a little bit of Big Ten football here in Week Four on Saturday, Alan. There are four, no, the five games that are Big Ten matchups. Let's uh, let's hit on each one of those uh, five games at noon on Saturday. Rutgers is traveling to Michigan, a showdown of undefeated teams. The Scarlet Knights three and O, number two Michigan also three and oh. The difference here is that the the betters think that uh, that Michigan, the line setters, I should say, I think that Michigan is favored by uh, 24. Uh, yeah, Wolverines are, are pretty good. I did say this, though, last week. If Rutgers was in the Big Ten West, it would finish second. <laughs> it would be Second. I got Rutgers as the second best team in the Big Ten West. I don't know who the best team is, but I know Rutgers would be the second best team in the Big Ten West
3: you know, I don't disagree. I, I think Rutgers also, Greg Ciano's done a good job. He's, he's taken that program back in the early two thousands to a level. He knows how to, how to get it done. And, uh, you know, and they played Michigan, they've given Michigan some challenges over the years uh, in relative terms. They also got beat 76 to nothing, whatever that was a few years ago. But <laughs> the point is, is that, uh, uh, JJ McCarthy did not have a really good game last week. My guess is he's going to have a better game this week, and Michigan will roll. But Rutgers is Rutgers is no slouch, and 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 I think you're exactly right in the uh, moribund Big Ten West. Yeah, they might be clearly number two. Whoever number one is, maybe that's Iowa, maybe that's Wisconsin. We'll get a look at them uh, on Friday with Purdue, but uh, I don't know. It's it's just not it's. It's the haves and the have-nots
1: in the Big Ten. 3.30 kickoff in East Lansing, Michigan State at 2-1, and one, welcoming in undefeated Maryland. The Terps are 3-0 on the season. Maryland a road favorite in this one, which I can't imagine has happened a whole lot, especially by a whole touchdown. Uh, Maryland seven and a half. Uh, look, the Terps are good. Everybody in the East is going to talk about Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. But Maryland's a pretty good football team, and Talia Tungavailola is a pretty good quarterback. Uh, Michigan State, we know, has issues, uh, including the report that Mel Tucker uh, would be fired. Um, man, what a, what a crazy year it's been in the Big Ten so far, with two coaches having been dismissed here before week four. Uh, but pretty wild. But the Terps with an opportunity to move to 4-0 and here early on in the season.
3: Yeah, I think that they've been, you know, and they've got, like we said, we talked about the quarterback situation. It's a good place to start with a guy that can do a lot of things, as they say, spin it. And he'll probably spin it a lot in East Lansing. I, I just don't know that the that the situation there is going to, you know, they didn't rise up against Washington, and maybe there's the two-week effect. Maybe that'll, they'll you know, they'll settle things down and play a, I, I expect him to play a more competitive game they didn't against the huskies the huskies are a better team than maryland i understand but uh, i do think maryland will get through it and i think maryland is uh is formidable in that division that division where they might also be the second best team in the big 10 west uh if they were in that division
1: they might be the best team in the big 10 west if they were
3: yeah we got to put somebody number 1
1: uh, I accidentally threw Notre Dame in as a Big Ten team. Maybe it'll happen one day. It has not yet happened, but uh, we will talk about this Ohio State-Notre Dame game. It's sort of the premier game, uh, maybe nationally, certainly here in the Midwest. Number six Buckeyes traveling to the number nine fighting Irish. Both teams are undefeated. Ohio State is a slight road favorite. You know that Marcus Freeman, the head coach at Notre Dame, will uh, will have a lot into this one. The former the former Buckeye. This should be a, a good game. Uh I, I'm always a little skeptical about Notre Dame, but man, the quarterback Sam Hartman has played really well. Uh, You know, we like Marcus Freeman, even though that's hard to say a little bit when he's up there coaching uh, the fighting Irish, but, but this one should be a good contest. I think.
3: I love Marcus Freeman. I think he was, a, he was a breath of fresh air. When you think about the Ian Jared Parker, two guys that are, uh, working together now at Notre Dame, both great guys. Um, you know that uh, is interesting. Sam Hartman is certainly an equalizer. Uh, everybody wants to bash on Kyle McCord, but Ohio State has more talent. And yeah, and I just I know it's people. You know that Ohio State's a road favorite which surprises some people, and a lot of people that I'm talking to think like Notre Dame in that game, but I like Ohio State in that. I just think I just think they have enough more talent. <laughs> enough more talent to to get it done, but it'll be a prime time. And it has so much ramifications of where this college football season's going because right now there's a general feeling in college football that nobody's any good or nobody's dominant, I should say. Uh, You know, Georgia's got injuries. uh, They've got some challenges. They you know they did survive South Carolina last week. My point is this game could really set – if Notre Dame can get out of there alive, could really set – the Irish to set sail uh, towards the – the uh, CFP and certainly if, if Ohio State gets through, it's going to put them in a great, great position to be undefeated uh, or at least, you know, they'll have to get through Penn State obviously before they play Michigan but uh, I like the Buckeyes chances. I think they win this game but it's going to be it'll be close and it'll be a, a huge environment and I think you have to get your checkbook out if you want to go see that game in person. The tickets are going for a zillion dollars.
1: Checkbook? What is that? Uh <laughs> Primetime game at 7.30 in Happy Valley. Number seven Penn State welcoming in at number 24, Iowa. Again, two undefeated teams, East versus West. Uh, I never have anything to say about Iowa. I, I'm just uh, – I don't know. It's, it's, it's the same Iowa. It's Iowa the same every – they actually did score eventually uh, last week. So it took a little bit uh, for them to get going. Uh, Brian Ference, I think, is is so far, he's exceeding that clause about whether he gets to keep his job or not. If he scores 25 points per game, I think they're at like 28 points per game. 28. That's right. So I guess the Hawkeyes are, are hanging in there a little bit. But Penn State's favored by a couple of touchdowns in this one. The Nittany Lions have looked pretty good. I mean, maybe more dynamic, I think, offensively than than the Penn State teams that we've been used to here recently.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. and I know the Iowa people are going back and, and I don't you know, know why I would remember this game, the 2009 Iowa game when Iowa beat Penn State in the in the uh, uh, a little bit of the rain and the, the weather's supposed to be a little bit that way. I think Hawkeye fans are hoping they can win a nine to seven slugfest. I don't think they do that in a whiteout. I think I think Penn State will get it done. But, you know, James Franklin is yet to get them to the level that they I mean, they've been really good. Uh, but can they beat Ohio State and Michigan and win that league? Uh, I, I'm just not sure. But I do think it's uh, it's got a uh, uh, it's got an interesting game. But it'll probably I think Iowa's defense can keep them in any game. But I think Penn State will get the job done. I don't know, 15 or whatever the spread is a lot, uh, just because I don't think there's going to be that many points scored.
1: Uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this one but at 730 also on Saturday Minnesota will travel to Northwestern to play a game that people will show up to and watch I would imagine uh, there in in Evanston Minnesota is two and one want to know in the big ten northwestern is one and 0 oh and one in conference play Gophers an 11 and a half point favorite um, yeah I, I don't know Northwestern's not very exciting Minnesota was not very exciting in a loss to North Carolina, I, I just, I don't know what to think about really anyone in the Big Ten West, and I'll include Minnesota in that group.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Minnesota may try to run the football. They've got newness at quarterbacks, so to speak, and it's not gotten that much. They've never been all that much about big-time offense under uh, P.J. Fleck. Defense has been good enough. They're going to win that game against Northwestern, but uh, so is just about everybody else that plays the Wildcats. The Wildcats, are not going to be in a situation to to win many football games, and I don't expect them – they have a chance this weekend, but not a good chance.
1: That's a Big Ten Roundup for week four.
0: Let's go back in time with a
1: historical look.
0: Here's Alan Karpick.
1: All right, Al, let's take a historical view at Purdue and Wisconsin. Uh, Some of the history here is not very good. (laughs) You said 27 seasons. I was like, what is he talking about, Twenty. Oh yeah, 1997 was that long ago.
3: My gosh, what a what? a This what is the 27th season this year. Now it's yes. 27 years in 2024. I, it's all how you count, Kyle. But right. yes, it's not. Been oh, yeah, good, but yeah. But right.
1: my point is, I'm like, what was 20? That 20? Oh yeah, 1997 was that long ago. Crazy, huh? Where has the time? And you know what? They yeah.
3: uh, was Purdue was an underdog in that game, sort of. Wisconsin was ranked, Purdue beat them, and jumped into the rankings, I believe. Held Ron Dane to under 150 yards. And all I remember, I remember a lot about that game was Ed Watson got around the bend on the first first possession, run 75 yards for a touchdown. And it was like that was the time when Joe Tiller's program at that time could do little to no wrong. And yeah. I, I think uh, that was an impressive They went to Illinois the next week and beat Illinois 48 to three. And then they go to Iowa two weeks later and don't play well in the first half. And then Tim Dwight, I think, returned to Hunter a kickoff for a touchdown and that game went south. But yes, Purdue can beat Wisconsin. They can beat them in Ross aid. They just haven't since uh, the new millennium.
1: Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the losses haven't been uh, very favorable
3: to No, uh... And the, the, the hard thing is even at home, Kyle, I think this, the average spread's been 15. So that yeah. not only have they not won, uh, they've, they haven't been close. Of course, Jeff Brom, I believe it was an 18, was it not, yeah. where they lost. Or maybe that was 19 when they lost the game in double overtime, uh, what, 44 to 41 or whatever that mm-hmm. game was. But uh, uh, it's all forgettable if you're a Purdue fan. And there's a lot of bad memories that we don't need to bring up certain games that played four years after the uh, turn mm-hmm. of the century. We won't have to mention that one at all.
1: Yeah, let's uh let's 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 move on. <laughs> let's leave that
3: down. let's move leave on. Leave
1: that one alone. Uh yep. can I can still remember exactly where we're standing. Um
3: oh, yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. Uh, Purdue on Fridays. Uh the Boilermakers have played uh on Fridays before, two and five all time. Last one in Ross versus
3: Ohio. The last one in Ross was Ohio, and of course yeah. that one was a uh a really an, an impressive performance, actually, because Purdue and Frank Solitz was coaching the Bobcats. Yeah. That game, I think Purdue might have only been about a five or six point favorite. Ohio U was pretty decent coming off a ball and Purdue just boat raced them. And it was it was fun on Friday night in ross Really, after the Louisville game, that was Jeff Robb's first win at Purdue. And it was fun uh, uh, for fans. And then I think the other the most recent Friday game was, like you said, COVID doesn't count. But it was a Friday in uh, Minneapolis in the famed or infamous Payne-Durham offensive pass interference call of Purdue would have won that game. They did not win the game. Minnesota and P.J. Fleck win 34-31 to 31, uh, in that game in 2020.
1: That Ohio game was memorable because of the one play, right? The double reverse yeah. throw to there the was,
3: tight end. Was that Bryson
1: Hopkins? Is that who that
3: was? No. Who was the other tight end with Bryson Hopkins, I think? Oh no! Well, anyway, yes, (laughs) and there was it was it was the definition of there's nothing hotter than new love because that was where all Jeff Rom's doing these trick plays and they're working and and the sad thing for Jeff was they could never Jeff Rom did a lot of good things and won more games than he lost. But my point is is that he could never do enough of them from from that point forward almost because they worked a lot. Now he did have some other ones late in his career, not a lot of them but uh, that was as good a one as I, as I recall, and uh, we'll all, somebody will call us out on who the, it wasn't, I, I don't it. think it was Bryson. Cole Herdman. Cole Herdman, right. We go. Standing Cole. by himself. Who threw the pass? Was it the quarterback? wasn't. It, Bl- it was, was the it quarterback. It, it went back to Blau, right? Yeah. Okay, that sounds good, but yes, that it. was a fun little I love it when we're reminiscing here because- on
1: the air that we can't, can't never remember fun what exactly night.
3: It it just I remember the lights and and uh, and a very uh, productive Friday evening. Purdue can only hope that uh, this Friday evening evening is close to being that productive, but it was fun, fun from that standpoint, and a good one for Purdue. Thanks, Al. All right, thanks,
1: Kyle. That's a historical look at Purdue and Wisconsin. Let's take a break. Back with more. This is Gold and Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Easton Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502.
6: At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life.
0: Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World headquarters, north of Purdue campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Worldmakers in
1: the Badgers in Ross Stadium on Friday night. Uh, Tom, let's talk a little bit of matchups. Hey, here's some shocking news for you. When you play Wisconsin, it's going to matter how physical you are in the front. I know this is mm. this is coming as a real surprise, Tom. <laughs> uh how's purdue going to stack up especially its defensive front trying to slow down that big offensive line those running backs and what will be a different look for wisconsin as well look a couple of weeks ago purdue was really good it gave up just 11 rushing yards last week wanted to give up 180 or something to a quarterback alone uh, yeah in, in the orange uh, i'd be real curious to see you know in in What will be a more physical game? Although I think, I think Syracuse was a good test from a physicality point of view, but you get into the big 10, you anticipate being a a more physical game. How does Purdue
2: hold out? Yeah. 271 yards rushing for Syracuse, 195 for quarterback Garrett Schrader, after they gave up 11 to Virginia tech, here comes Wisconsin. We know their history. We know their running back situation. I know they're an air raid, but they're going to run it. if If they, if they see that opportunity and, and, um, you know what, Kyle, I like Purdue's defensive front. I know they got shredded, but a lot of that was just like sealing the edge or setting the edge. They weren't setting the edge. Yeah. And I, I think they're good on the interior, Kyle. I really do. I, think, I like their size. They got depth. I think they can hold up on the interior. They they, they, they got to do better on the edge and not, not let guys get to the edge and push them back to the, to the middle of the field to be tackled. So that, that matchup doesn't scare me to death. I guess I'm still worried on the other the other matchup. Can Purdue run the ball against Wisconsin's defense? Um, <clears throat> you know, Mike Trestle's their coordinator. He was at Cincinnati at Michigan State. We know the issues Purdue's had in short yardage. Um, they're going to have to get either Mockaby or Tyrone Tracy amped up here, I think. And I'll be really interested to see, Kyle, if we do see more Tyrone Tracy. Maybe Tyrone Tracy starts this week, Kyle, to send a message to Mockaby after those three fumbles. Um, so that, that's going to be kind of fun to watch. Keep your eye on that uh, usage of those two backs. I think they're both still good, but uh, man, maybe it's something that motivates my So let's see if Purdue can get that ground game going. Cause obviously we all know college, it's, it's football one one If you can run the ball, your offense is going to have some success and we'll see if Purdue can get some traction. Against Missouri's real physical Wisconsin defense.
1: Purdue has got to run the ball. They got to figure out different ways to get the ball outside the tackles, I think, too, in the running game. I yeah. mean, especially on short yardage, there has got to be a different plan for picking up a, a third or maybe a fourth and one. It is just, yeah. you know, you do it too many times, it becomes a trend. Purdue's got to find something, something different there, you know, getting them going a little bit uh, horizontal before, before cutting up field to get that one yard. Something's got to, got to change there, but you're right. Those two guys, I, I like Mockaby. I like Tracy. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we'll, we will see him switch roles this week. I think that's a, that's a good point because Mockaby, you know, even put the ball on the ground. What he Purdue recovered it. Right. Uh, in game. Yeah. One. yeah. It was a weird uh, those, those On the ground then too. Got to hold on, uh, to the football to say the least, but,
2: uh, pretty much still to
1: win on Friday night. They've got to be able to run the football.
2: Yeah. too. maybe more. We saw a little bit more Hudson car trying to do the RPO. Um, Still got to keep him involved, and Kyle, I I still want more Deion Burks. Um, Just get him the ball in space, Uh, the jet sweep, a a quick lateral pass to him in space behind the line of scrimmage where guys guys can't bump him. Whatever you can do, get him the ball 10 times, 10, 10, 12, 15 times a game. Feed him like used to feed David Bell and Charlie Jones. Wear him out, yeah, and uh, let him uh, try to help you out with the ground game, Um. It got to the point last Saturday where some of those fourth and ones, Purdue just threw the ball. And, uh, and again, the most exasperating was just that first drive for Purdue, right? After they stopped Syracuse, they marched down the north end zone to get to the five-yard line. Second and one, nothing. Third and one, nothing. Fourth and one, nothing. Fumble. Boom. I mean, that just sort of set the tone for yeah. for Purdue's tough yardage offense the rest of the night.
1: Yeah, it just made you feel like Purdue was going to be, uh, you know, sledding uphill for the
2: rest of the game, you know? Yeah. yeah, you can debate whether they should kick the field goal. I would have taken the points, I guess, that early in the game. Um, regardless, um, you know, it it, it, it's, it just hurts to come up empty, but maybe you have some machismo there. You think to yourself, by golly, we're at home. We need one yard. It's fourth down. We're going to go for it. And, and if we can't get a yard, we don't deserve to win. So sometimes that mentality takes over, too.
1: All right, Tom, who you got on Friday night?
2: I got to go Wisconsin, Kyle. I think most people do. I think the line's up to six or seven badgers are given. Um I'll believe it when I see it. Right. And again, I know I said it off the top earlier in this, in this podcast, that this isn't your father's Wisconsin. They haven't really looked that great this year so far they got their questions just like Purdue, but, but the W's on the helmet, Kyle, they're always, they're going to be the more physical team. And, um, uh, I, I, Purdue hasn't played his best football yet of the year but neither is Wisconsin so again um, until proven otherwise I, I, I think the Badgers are going to win but I'm going to say they're not going to cover
1: Yeah I, I mean it's just hard to, to pick against Wisconsin in this game like you said until Purdue shows you um, I neither team really has you know played anywhere close to a complete game as No yet. I mean Purdue certainly has and I think its most complete game was Virginia Tech but even it went into a pretty significant uh, law during uh, what late second quarter through much of the third quarter. Um, I mean, you got to, whatever team puts together three quarters in this one plus is going to get the victory, but I just, the physicality um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that from Purdue's perspective. I think you said it best, maybe Purdue's offense against uh, that defensive front for the Badgers. If Purdue cannot run the ball. That would be pretty concerning to, to make the Boilermakers that one-dimensional. I've got it right there around the line. I'll take Wisconsin 27, uh, Purdue uh, 20. As we've said, Purdue's going to be in ball games this year, but uh, I'll have to see it before I think that, uh, that Purdue can beat Wisconsin. All right, Tom, appreciate
2: it. Thank you as take, always. Take care, my friend. Be good.
1: That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Tom Deanhart, Brian Hubert, and Alan Kerpic, I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Gold Black Radio.